You're listening to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church Podcast. To learn more about Northwest, including our gathering time, visit us at nwcbc.org. Today's speaker will be our guest, Pastor Dylan Lay. So also, as mentioned, uh, we have a special speaker today. He'll be bringing uh, our message today. He's no stranger to our congregation. He's attended our church and served in our youth ministry in the past. During his service here, he had made an impact among our youth. He has been also been a guest speaker during one of our online weekly youth hangout. So he presently serves as the youth and college pastor at First Chinese Baptist Church. And he's recently has graduated from Gateway Seminary. Help me welcome Pastor Dylan Lee. Thanks, Dan. Mic check, mic check. Good. All right. Thanks, everyone. So good to see everyone. And uh, like Stan said, um, Tiffany and I grew up here at this church, so we feel like this is our church home. Uh, feels good to be here. Feels good to be amongst all of you. Um, but if you uh, have your Bibles, today we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 4. So go ahead and uh, just put your, put your marker there. We'll be there today. And before we start, I'll go ahead and pray for us one more time. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, we, we come before you right now, um, and we submit to your will, God. Uh, we come before you, and we want to praise you just for everything that you're doing in our lives, everything that you've brought us through and uh, help us to overcome the sins, the challenges, and we're amazed by you, God. Um, we're in awe of who you are and how powerful you are, God, that even though it's so difficult for us to wrap our minds around um, everything and all that you are, God, we, we can't help but praise you um, for what we know. And God, this time... I pray that my brothers and sisters here, that we would be solely focused on what you have to say to us through your word, God, that your word would cut us so deeply, uh, that it would just reach out from the pages and transform us from within, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Um, but God, we, we ask that you help us to be rid of any insecurity, any distraction, anything that would take us away from knowing you more intimately right here and now as we go through your word together. And God, I pray that um, it would change us. Uh, it would transform us. It wouldn't just be something that we do out of tradition or obligation, but um, Lord, because we, we are seeking you and want to know you deeply. And so Lord, we, we uh, praise things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we're in First Peter chapter 4. And I, I kind of want to just give you a little bit of background, a little bit of context of what's happening in this in this letter uh, from Peter. So this is a letter from the Apostle Peter, and he's writing this letter to the scattered church in multiple regions. Um, and the way he's writing this letter, it's geared towards people from non-Jewish backgrounds. It's a letter to encourage, to strengthen, and to correct the churches filled with all of these Gentile believers. And the emphasis Peter gives to his brothers and sisters in Christ, and brothers and sisters in Christ is how to stand firm in their faith 
when they're facing persecution, when they're facing all these outside influences that are pulling them away from their relationship with God. And it's when they can live out their faith even though they're surrounded by sin and idolatry all around them that thrives. And so this letter is really interesting. It's really practical, actually. It's filled with a lot of practical wisdom and encouragement. Um, but there is this baseline that Peter has that's interwoven throughout the whole, whole entire letter. And from what I can read, I've noticed this, that Peter is calling the church to be in awe of who God is, in greater awe of the gospel message. And I think he's, he's asking them, he's reminding them to be astonished by the love and mercy that has been shown through Christ and his suffering to be overwhelmed by God's grace in Jesus' sacrifice for us, and to be amazed by, the, by God's power in his death and resurrection, right? And ultimately, um, to be left speechless, knowing that all of this was done on our behalf, on their behalf, making them sinless before God. And it's this amazing message for the world. Uh, but they're struggling because they're in the world at the same time, full of sin, full of brokenness. Uh, so it's this call, this reminder for the church. And I think when we think about that, that common theme, that common thread, the baseline of we're in awe of God, I, I want to ask you, when was the last time you felt in awe of God? I think that's something we know, um, but we don't think of often. Maybe it doesn't strike us often. Being in awe of God, uh, sometimes you think of, um, when you first encounter God, or when something miraculous happens, when you overcome an amazing challenge in your life and you know that God was there through it all with you and you're just in awe of Him. It feels like such a rare occasion, but I truly think that it happens, or it should happen more often, that we are in awe of God every single day. And so it's, it's this time with God, this intimate relationship with God where we're in awe of Him, we're growing in that awe of Him. Um, it starts with our life with Christ, but it's this personal relationship that we have with him. The intimate moments where it's just you and God and no one else, and you're wrestling with who you are in Christ, your identity in Christ, what your purpose is uh, that God's given you, and you're wrestling with who God is and why he's doing what he's doing in your life. It's these intimate moments that I believe that it helps us to grow in that awe. And for each one of us, we grow in our awe of God when we're experiencing the truth of the gospel message first and foremost for ourselves. Right? And this is the backdrop of Peter's letter, uh, his encouragement to Christians living out their faith in Christ uh, in a broken world. Okay, so we're going to read through. I'm going to read a little bit more um, than what's going to be shown on the screen here. But I'm going to start at verse 1. So 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. It says this to kind of give us some context. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. There are, they are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse upon you. 
But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regarding to the spirit. And then this is kind of where we're starting today. This is what we're going to go into today, verse 7 through 11. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. All right, so today we're going to be going through verses 7 through 11 mainly, kind of just honing in on that. Um, and if you guys have your Bibles, just follow along with us together. So verses 7 through 8, I'm going to read this one more time just so we can marinate on it a little bit. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. All right, so here Peter has this urgent call, this urgent cry for the church. There's a sense of urgency for the gospel message to be known, uh, to be lived out. And it says that the end of all things is near. So here this is, there's this idea of the, an imminent return of Christ, the second coming of Christ. And if you think about the early church, this would be so real to them. This would be, as they would be, be preparing for it. They would be expecting it right here and now. But for us, it's difficult to imagine. The imminent return of Christ to judge the world would have been a serious expectation in the early church, and this was Peter's plea for them, that they would take seriously how they're living out their lives each and every day for God. He's calling them to turn away from their old lives, the idolatry that they were part of, and to turn towards Christ, to turn towards the gospel message, the message that they have been saved by. And in verse 8, so there's this urgent call for the gospel, urgent call for living godly lives. And in verse 8, it kind of goes into a practical sense of, okay, how do we do that? It says this, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. And when you think about that, it's, it's not saying that, okay, when you love each other, um, your sin is forgiven that you've committed. Uh, I think here what it's really saying is that when you love each other, that forgiveness of other people hurting you, other people sinning against you, that love conquers that sin against you. Love conquers and overcomes the pain that has been um, laid against you. And so there's this urgent call from Peter to love one another deeply. So the priority, the priority of everything else in the life of the church is to love one another constantly despite all circumstances. The power of the gospel is magnified when the people of God, who have been greatly forgiven by God, are able to then go and forgive one another. How powerful is that? Their genuine forgiveness and love toward each other is an incredible testimony to the world. And uh, I know that right now, this church, Northwest, is going through a remodel. There's a lot of changes happening. 
And for our church, First Chinese, we, we just finished our remodel, and they're just starting to use it right now. Um, but it's exciting to think of the potential these changes will have on the life of the church, right? Um, it's fun to think of a renovated space that can bring new life to the church. I think that's our hope when we do stuff like that. I think that's the hope for Northwest as we, we plan on this construction. It's natural for all churches to want to strive for excellence, to want to make improvements, and in hopes that somehow these improvements uh, in the life of the church would impact people who are coming and visiting our church, um, hearing the gospel message for the first time, sitting under our teaching and preaching. But so it's often the temptation to make changes with this mindset, though that if the facilities were just a little bit better, that people would want to come to our church. If the programs were just a little bit better, that people would want to participate. If our people would volunteer more, then people would want to be active and serve. Um, if the speaker was more relatable, then people would want to come to our church. If the, if the youth and the children's program was more active, uh, then things would be different. If the graphic designs and the media and the music were different or better, then people would want to come to our church or stay at a church. It's common to have this mindset. But I want to tell you this. Uh, Fifteen years ago, I came to this church for the very first time as a visitor. And when I walked through the doors of this very church, all of those things didn't really matter to me. Um, what things looked like, how things sounded, uh, the style in which the preaching was done or the teaching in the Sunday school was done, those things really didn't matter to someone who was a non-believer, someone who's not Christian, walking through this church for the first time. I remember looking back on that time and thinking that what stood out to me the most was the love of the people, the care and concern that people had for each other. I walked through the doors of this very church as a non-believer and I saw that People loved each other so deeply, and the love of the people is what stood out to me. And it helped me to see that the power of the gospel was real. It helped me to see who Jesus was through the hands and feet of the people right before me. It made the gospel come alive in a real intangible way. Right? And this is what Peter is calling for us to do as well. That when we live with the urgency of the gospel, it's not so much what we can do to get people packed into our church but it's how we care for one another that is a testimony to the world and how powerful the gospel message really is. All right. And so we move on to uh, verse 9 through 10. It says this, so as we love one another deeply, th this is what loving one another deeply looks like in verse 9 through 10. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Okay, so here, verse 9, first off. Um, we see that our love to serve one another comes from an overflow of our personal relationship with Christ. Okay? So Peter understands how much of a challenge it is to love one another. Right? We're, we're human beings. We sin. It's natural. Um, that's our human nature to sin, and sometimes that bleeds over to each other. It bleeds into other relationships and friendships, and we, 
unintentionally or intentionally sometimes hurt each other. So he calls the church to serve each other with hospitality but without resentment here. And I, I, I can see that the emphasis is on this attitude. What is our attitude when we serve each other? And here Peter is calling towards an, a selfless attitude when it comes to serving one another. It's a selfless attitude and not merely on actions alone. And what's working and for when we're serving each other, it's by the power of the Spirit and not just out of our own obligation. Because oftentimes it's so easy to feel like this is what God says we need to do. In order to be a good Christian, we need to check off the list of what being a good Christian looks like. Coming to church, being nice to each other. But really, it's so much deeper than that. It's so much deeper than just a behavior modification. It's something that is welling up deep inside of us and coming out naturally as an overflow of the Spirit moving within us. Right? And in verse 10, this is what's really unique that God has gifted us. The amazing part is that each one of us has been given a spiritual gift to bless each other with. Right? Um, if you think about what are you good at? How do you like to serve? What makes you come alive when it comes to serving God? That's what we need in the church, and that's what is unique about how God has made each and every one of us, the spiritual giftings that he's given us. Each one of us has our own spiritual gifts and abilities that come from God. And Peter is firm here in verse 10. It says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So he's firm in that with our spiritual gifts, they need to be used to bless others. They need to be used to build up the church not just for selfless gain or out of obligation, which we so often can get to. It's used to build up the church, and all of this sounds really good. It sounds like something we strive for, but it's very difficult in reality because of our selfish pride that gets in the way. When selfish pride gets involved, that's where sin is able to hurt one another. Uh, sin comes out of us and helps it hurts one another, hurts each other. And um, when, I, when I'm thinking about my life, I remember this one time. I was uh, in an argument with my dad, with my parents. And he was basically telling me that uh, you treat your friends better than you treat your own family. And it's really interesting. You treat your friends more than, you treat them better than you treat your own family. And he went on to, or I went on to think about it more, and I think he was right. Um, I gave more time and energy towards my friends. I wanted to spend more time with them in person with my friends than I wanted to spend with my family. Uh, there is a sense of like, there's more joy when I'm with my friends. Um, I treat them maybe with more respect sometimes compared to my family. And so even back then, I knew he was right. And I was wondering, why is that? And looking back on that time, I, I recognized this that with your friends, you have the freedom to choose who you're friends with. You have the freedom to invest in the people that you want to invest in. And you choose people who can love you back, who can care for you back, who have fun with you, have similar interests as you. And it's easy to have good relationships with our friends because we can pick and choose who they are. With our family, it's a different story. Oftentimes, we feel obligated to who our family is. Uh, we feel like we're stuck with that family. And I use that example because it, so often it's like that in the church, right? We who are in the church 
can sometimes welcome complete strangers, welcome new guests so much better, and we treat them better than we do our own family of God within the church. And why is that? It's because sometimes relationships get fractured. There is tension that has been built up with resentment over years and years. And the easiest thing to do is try to keep the peace in the church by just avoiding conflict, sweeping it under the rug, but never fully being restored with one another in our relationships, never fully coming to that restoration that only comes from God. Sometimes we end up just avoiding them and avoiding the issues entirely as a way to save face. But if we are to genuinely serve one another, genuinely have an overflow of the Spirit within us going out into the church, going out into the streets to share the gospel message with other people, then we must have a death of prideful attitude. We must have that restoration with other family with other believers in the family of God that only comes from God's power. And this is why it's so critical that each one of us is seeking and submitting to the Lord in our own personal relationship with Him. Because that's where we have to really wrestle with those issues, those broken relationships, the sinful nature within us in order to serve one another out of an overflow of our heart. And that only happens by God's power, right? So in verse 11, we go on to see this. Uh, and I love this one here. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. All right. So in verse 11, we see Peter is emphasizing that. Where does strength come from? How are we able to do all this? How are we able to love one another despite all circumstances? How are we able to grow in this love that springs up from our hearts and flows out of us by the power of the Spirit? It's only by God's power within us. It's only through God's strength that we're able to persevere in the faith. And Peter ends this passionate plea with an encouragement to the family of God to draw their power from God alone and not by their own will, not by their their own ability, their own wits, their own power, but by God only. And in this, all the glory belongs to the Lord as the church battles persecution from the outside, as it fights for unity within the church and seeks to make the gospel known to the world. When we are wholly dependent on God to work through us, that's when it grows within us a greater humility, knowing our own limits while God is limitless. And it's God who gives us these gifts. These gifts that empower us and has the Spirit working within us in all things. So when we think about in all of our success as a church, in all of our failures as a church, the strengths that we have as the people of God and our weaknesses as well, may it all point to the power of Christ within us that His glory would be known. And that's where we can see God working. That's where we grow in our awe of God. And it's amazing to see. So for me, I look back on my life, and I'm just amazed at how God has moved uh, within me and in, in the life of this church. Um, it's just really cool to come back here 
and see everything that God has done over the past 15 years or so, um, starting as someone who just didn't even know God uh, to my relationship with him now. And it's, it's amazing. It's a testimony. Um, and it's all because of this church, Northwest Chinese Baptist Church, that I grew up, learned so many things, heard incredible preaching, been discipled, um, grew up and got to serve here. And it's all because of God's strength that has empowered all of us. Um, I remember this one specific time when I was here at the church. I was a sophomore or junior in college, and I was riding in a car with uh, one of the brothers at this church. And uh, he was driving. Um, I was in the passenger seat. And we were just driving, and randomly he just looks over at me and he says, hey, you should be a pastor. And uh, I was just so shocked, uh, because at that time, I think I just got baptized the year before. Um, and it was just something I never, it never even crossed my mind, something I never even wanted, uh, and it was scary to me. Like, who wants to be a pastor? They have to get up here and talk. Um, <laughs> right? it, it's just, um, it was something I never even thought of. Um, it was the most random thing I've ever heard at the time. Uh, and it was terrifying. I would never want to do it. And God's so crazy, right? Because now here I am, and it's, God, God has jokes, and it's great. Um, but so much of my own life has been impacted by the godly men and women in this church. Um, it's because of the church who simply lived out their faith every single day. It's not about the things that we curate to be to what the church is. It's not about the style of music. It's not about the personalities. It's not about um, the things that we can change to try to attract people to come to our church. But really, in my own life, I have seen that it's because of men and women who care and love for one another deeply, who live out their faith, people who are humble, faithful to God's word, and speak truth in love. And I think that is um, how we truly see the gospel message lived out, how we can tangibly and uh, and with a real sense of, like, I can see God moving within these people. And that's when the gospel message is most powerful. Uh, when you and I are each living it out day by day throughout all circumstances, whether we, we're accidentally hurting each other, whether people are rubbing us the wrong way, but because we have been forgiven deeply, we can then go and forgive others and spur each other on, encourage one another, um, and point each other towards Christ. Um, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, we thank you so much for your word. God, your word is so good, and we, we can't get enough of it, Lord. God, I, I pray right here and now that the church, specifically Northwest Chinese Baptist Church, in this new season, in this time of transition, in this time of rebuilding, Lord, that you would strengthen them. You would encourage them. You would remind them of the awe that they see in you, God. Remind them that the Holy Spirit is working within them in their midst right here now in this very moment, God. And through the Scripture, Lord, the Scripture is calling us to love one another deeply. And that's how the gospel message will be made known to will be made known to the world. That's how the gospel message will be a real intangible thing for people to see as guests and visitors. 
um, that people would come into our family of God and recognize how amazing God is because of the way we love each other and love them, Lord. God, I lift up your people here that they would know you so intimately, first and foremost, before anything else, before any type of visions cast or strategies executed for this church, God, that each one of us here would know you so deeply, so intimately, God, and we're reminded of what you've done for us. We're reminded of the power uh, and the glory that you displayed on the cross for each one of us, God, even though we did not deserve it, yet you still loved us. God, and it's, it's in that introspection, it's in that, that awe that we can go out and be filled with the Holy Spirit and love the rest of the world. Go out there where it seems like more and more persecution is happening every day. It's more difficult to live out our faith um, in this world right now. It's so many obstacles for the gospel to be made known, but Lord, I pray that you would help us to remain faithful, uh, faithful to you, and be able to love one another. And so, Lord, we love you and praise things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're encouraged by today's message, be sure to follow us on Spotify and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream your podcast. To listen to other sermons and watch our live gatherings, visit us at nwcbc.org. We look forward to see the difference God will make in your life. Thank you for listening to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church Podcast.